0: When Gus Taylor was 18 months old, his father, Ron, was changing his diaper. Gus looked up to his father and said to him, I remember when I was your age and I would change your diapers. A year and a half before Gus was born, his grandfather had passed away. Gus was named after his grandfather. His full name is August and his grandfather went by the nickname Augie. Not long after Gus learned to talk, he would say bizarre things to his parents. Things that eerily sounded like he was speaking from the point of view of his grandfather, Augie. Gus's parents thought it was strange, but tried not to look into it too much. When Gus was around four years old, his grandmother on his father's side passed away. Gus's father then collected some of his mother's belongings from her home, and included in those belongings were old photo albums. There were pictures of family members, family outings and vacations, friends of the family, just typical photos one keeps over the years. You know before everything became digitized and stored on your phone, when people actually kept physical photographs. One day, Gus's parents had these pictures spread out on a table in the living room and were just sorting through them, reminiscing, looking at pictures of when Gus's grandparents were younger, pointing out different family members, aunts, uncles, cousins, some had passed away, others were still alive. Gus was busy playing elsewhere in the house. But eventually, he made his way into the living room. Gus rummaged through some of the old pictures and asked his mother, what are these? His mom, Kathy, replied, these are old pictures from grandma's house. Gus kept pulling pictures out from the pile. One picture was of his grandfather's first car. Gus's grandfather was particularly fond of this car. Gus pointed at it and said, that's my car. Gus then turned away from the pictures very nonchalantly and went back to playing. Gus's parents sat in silence a few moments, stared at each other a little bit, until his mom said, what do you think that was all about? Gus's dad told her it was just a coincidence, that it was nothing. Gus's parents, Ron and Kathy, became increasingly intrigued by the things their son would say. Whenever they would talk about Gus's grandfather, Gus would say, You mean me? Sometimes the parents would reply with, No, not you. We're talking about your grandfather, Augie. Gus would then tell them, Yeah, that's me. Augie. I'm Augie. Ron and Kathy didn't necessarily believe in reincarnation. Probably never even really thought about it. Especially considering that Kathy's father was a Southern Baptist minister. Kathy's upbringing definitely did not teach her to believe in such things as past lives or reincarnation. Things like that were taboo. But her son Gus informed her that, God gives you a card to come back to earth. A concept very different from the Southern Baptist tradition. Trust me, I can attest to that. I was raised Southern Baptist myself. One day, Kathy showed Gus an old picture. It was Gus's grandfather's grade school class photo that included 16 other kids besides Gus's grandfather. Kathy didn't point out to Gus which kid was his grandfather and she asked him, do you notice anything about this picture? Without hesitation, Gus pointed to the boy that was his grandfather and stated, there I am. On another occasion, Gus shocked his parents. Gus and his mother were having a conversation about Gus's alleged past life memories, and his mother asked... Did you ever have any brothers or sisters growing up? She asked this in an attempt to possibly discredit her son's claim of being his own grandfather reincarnated. See, Gus's grandfather did have siblings growing up, but they weren't mentioned much around young Gus. Not only did Gus correctly tell his mother that yes, he indeed had brothers and sisters, but he also mentioned a very chilling detail that one of his sisters had died. Not only did she die, she was murdered, Gus told them. Some people turned my sister into a fish. His mother, full of shock, asked, what, what do you mean, what, what people? Who, who turned your sister into a fish? Bad people, said Gus. Gus's father, Ron, was completely unnerved upon hearing this from Gus. It had only recently been revealed to Ron the circumstances of his aunt's death. Apparently, years and years ago, Augie's sister was murdered and her body was thrown into the San Francisco Bay. Ron explained once in an interview that there was absolutely no way Gus could have known any details surrounding his great aunt's death because it was absolutely never discussed around him. Gus didn't even know he had a great aunt. Not to mention, again, that Ron had just found out himself the exact circumstances of her death. One day, Gus sporadically told his mother, You know, Mom, when we die, we get to come back. Gus then explained that God gave him a ticket, and that he came through a porthole. He explained further by saying, I used to be big, but then I went through a porthole and I was a kid again. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Parasensory where today we're talking about reincarnation. I love this topic. It's so intriguing and the stories are just amazing. So let's not waste any time. Let's dive right in. As always, tune in and turn your frequency to the strange because it's time for another episode of Parasensory. Incarnation, defined as the rebirth of a soul and a new body, it's a very controversial subject, but many believe in it, and many true stories have been told that seemingly prove its existence. Wikipedia defines reincarnation as the philosophical or religious concept that the non-physical essence of a living being starts a new life in a different physical form or body after biological death. It is also called rebirth or transmigration. Most people here in Western society when they hear reincarnation they commonly think of India or Buddha or Gandhi. They think of the Eastern culture whether they realize it or not. that's because reincarnation is a central tenet of Indian religions, including Buddhism and Hinduism. It is also an esoteric belief in many branches of Orthodox Judaism and is also found in some beliefs of North American natives and the Aborigine of Australia. The origins of reincarnation are obscure, but they appear primarily in the philosophical traditions of India and in the Greek pre-Socratic era. The Celtic Druids are also reported to have taught a doctrine of reincarnation. So I wanted to start by describing some things about reincarnation, like the consistencies researchers have observed in many cases of alleged reincarnation. Those consistencies include a very similar description of the in-between state of dying and being reborn, how fears and phobias as well as physical signs like birthmarks or birth defects relate to the supposed past life, some people, especially children, displaying a special knowledge about things from their past life, knowledge of things they've never been taught or shouldn't know about. Many children and adults alike who claim to have memories of past lives undergo what's called past life regression therapy. In these therapy sessions, a therapist or a hypnotist puts the patients in a trance like state and allows them to recover memories of their past lives. Many skeptics believe that past life regression therapy is terribly unreliable and can cause people to make up fake memories. And I no doubt believe that to be true, but as you will see in this episode with the stories you're about to hear, you may come to the same conclusion as me when hearing how these stories unfold, that reincarnation may possibly be very, very real. Some consistencies many people have when going through past life regression therapy is they speak of an in-between state, the state between dying and being reborn, kind of like a, um, an afterlife experience or a near-death experience. Many of these people observe in the in-between state what are called elders, entities that help the soul along the journey. The elders help the soul stay focused on what it is the soul needs to learn in each life. And once the soul learns all that it needs to or learns enough, it can choose to stay in the spiritual plane and not be reborn or reincarnated in any other state. It sounds like the soul eventually becomes an elder itself, helping and guiding other souls along their journey. The end game, it seems, is that all souls awaken and come to the realization that all is one. There is also consistency in the claim that while in the in-between state, the soul chooses where, when, and what it reincarnates. For instance, Many patients claim they get to choose who their parents will be and what family they are reborn. Some also claim that they get to choose a life in which they will learn specific lessons. For example, a soul may choose to be reborn as someone with a physical disability or born into a toxic family uh, like with an abusive father or an uncaring mother. All with the intent of learning difficult lessons. One man, for example, who underwent past life regression therapy, describes once being a soldier in the Revolutionary War, and at the end of that life, as an old man, he felt remorse for all the people he had killed during the war, claiming that all he had killed were innocent. So for his next life, his soul chose to be reincarnated as a black man who lived during the 60s. He remembers being murdered by a group of racist men who murdered his wife and then shot him in the back of the head. It is important to note here that this man has a large red birthmark on the back of his head. During the therapy session, the man then claims to remember being in the in-between state of his life as the black man and the life he's in now. During that time, in the in-between state, an elder asked him if he has now learned his lesson. The man asked, what lesson? The lesson of forgiving yourself, the elder replied. As a soldier, you felt much remorse for killing people you considered innocent. Now you have experienced being killed as an innocent man. The man then describes feeling a big release, like a tremendous weight was lifted from him. He felt evolved in his spirit. As for physical marks or defects, this man displays a great example. Again, in his past life, he was shot in the back of the head. Therefore he has a birthmark on the back of his head. This is a very common consistency with many people who claim to have memories of a past life. Many with memories of past lives that have physical marks or defects are usually ones whose past life ended violently or abruptly. Many researchers believe this is why the memories are so prominent. Many also believe that this is where fears and phobias come from. For example, one young boy would cower each time a plane flew overhead. He would erupt with panic and scream and cry hysterically while trying to frantically find shelter from the plane. He later described the memories of a past life saying he was shot and killed by an airplane. He said that he was a soldier and a plane had shot him to death while he was trying to run for safety during combat. As skeptical as you may be and without any physical evidence of reincarnation, I believe it's still very difficult to disregard some of these claims. Are these people lying? Are they making these things up? If so, how do they know certain details about things they've never been taught? surely with the thousands if not millions of cases of alleged reincarnation there must be a slither of truth or maybe not who knows it's up to you to decide before we get into our big story i wanted to tell you a quick one that involves past life regression therapy and the in-between state it's about a lady named Catherine. And Catherine is the reason why Ivy League-educated psychiatrist Dr. Brian Wise became so involved in past-life regression therapy. Catherine began seeing Dr. Wise for anxiety and depression. After some time treating Catherine, Dr. Wise started using the practice of hypnosis to help her. Then one day, in 1980 something unusual occurred. Catherine began mentioning personal details about Dr. Wise's life. Details she would have had no way of knowing. Under hypnosis, Catherine described being in an in-between state. A place between living and dying. And while she was there, she recalls things that ultimately shook Dr. Wise's rational way of thinking. This is the account of what Catherine told Dr. Wise. Your father is here, and your son, who is a small child. Your father says you will know him because his name is Avram, and your daughter is named after him. Also his death was due to his heart. Your son's heart was also important, for it was backward, like a chicken's. He wanted to show you that medicine could only go so far that its scope is very limited. To say the least, Dr. Wise was shocked. He said once in an interview, I thought to myself, what is this? How does she know this? My father never had an obituary. Our best friends didn't even know these details. Catherine indeed knew nothing about Dr. Wise. The two never discussed anything about Dr. Wise's personal life. He didn't even have diplomas hanging in his office. She would have had no idea that Dr. Wise's father had passed away or anything about his children. Dr. Wise did have framed photos of his two living children on his desk. But Dr. Wise knew that Catherine was talking about his firstborn son, Adam. Adam passed away at just 23 days old. He was born with total anomalous pulmonary vein return. It's a congenital heart defect where the oxygenated blood coming from the lungs going into the left side of the heart is actually directed back into the right side of the heart due to a defect of the pulmonary veins. Instead of being attached to the left atrium, which would be normal, the pulmonary veins are attached to other veins that eventually drain blood back into the right side of the heart. This causes the right side of the heart to become overworked, eventually causing the veins to become blocked or backed up into the lungs, leading to heart failure and eventual death. The heart is essentially working backwards, just as Catherine stated. The only treatment for the defect, as for now, is open heart surgery. Adam passed away in 1971, when it was still very difficult for doctors to detect such congenital heart defects. As for Dr. Wise's father, His English name was actually Alvin, but his Hebrew name was Avram. Catherine was right again. And Dr. Wise's daughter, Amy, was named after her grandfather. Before this, Dr. Wise was a full-fledged skeptic when it came to concepts such as reincarnation. But after hearing all this from Catherine, Dr. Wise's views and perspective completely changed. He saw proof in Catherine's claims and it eventually changed the course of his career. nation is made up of about 800,000 to 1 million people worldwide. They are mainly found in Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, and Israel. Other sects can be found in Australia, Canada, and Germany. The Druze are not considered Christian or Muslim, but they do identify themselves as the believers of one God. As opposed to some monotheistic beliefs, the Druze believe that God is omnipotent, but also imminent meaning existing or operating within, inherent. I only point this out because I don't want you to confuse it with imminent, meaning about to happen or impending. They see God as above all attributes, but simultaneously present. To them, God is not up in the sky, sitting on a throne, looking down, observing us, dwelling separately from his creation. No, the Druze see God as ultimate spirituality permeated with the material world. God is of all creation, transcendent and immanent, the above and below, the all of existence as well as non-existence. This concept of God is, of course, in great contrast to the beliefs of traditional Christianity or Islam. Another great contrast is their belief in reincarnation, Reincarnation is a heavily centralized and rigid belief for the Druze. As opposed to Hinduism or Buddhism where a soul can transfer to any form of creation, the Druze believe a human soul can only transfer to a human body. Furthermore, they believe the souls of the Druze only reincarnate into other Druze bodies. And to take it even further, they believe a Druze male soul can only transfer to another Druze male body, and likewise with female Druze. Now, birthmarks hold a high importance for the Druze. They believe birthmarks are actually death marks, and that they could determine the cause of death in the life before. There is a man by the name of Eli Lash, who has had an interesting journey going from being a medical doctor to a spiritual healer after he went through past life regression therapy and discovered his own past lives. After his career as a medical doctor, Eli opened his own practice as a regression therapist and spiritual healer in Israel. Dr. Lash, of course, has many stories about reincarnation, all of which has helped him change his perspective on modern medicine. Now, I'm going to tell you a story about a little three-year-old Drew's boy that Dr. Lash got to meet. The boy claimed that he had been reincarnated and he had many interesting and revealing things to say about his past life. Dr. Lash heard about a young child speaking of his past life, and because that was pretty much Dr. Lash's field of expertise, the child's parents invited him to meet the child. Now it is important to note that when a Druze child is born, it is immediately searched for birthmarks because again, the mark could determine a possible cause of death in the past life. Once the mark is found, if there is one, the Druze then wait for the child to begin speaking. Once the child starts to speak, the Druze pay close attention to any mention of a past life. Then, if the child does indeed speak of a past life, the Druze try to determine if there is a village or location where the child's past life was lived. If so, the child is led by a group of elders to this location in hopes of maybe discovering details of the alleged past life. In this particular case, this young boy, by the age of three, did speak of a past life, the location in which he lived that past life, and that he was murdered with an axe. An important piece of this puzzle is that the child had a long red birthmark stretching from the upper part of his forehead down to the center of his forehead. After the discovery of this birthmark, a group of 15 men consisting of the boy's father, other relatives, several elders, and representatives of neighboring villages was formed. They were on a mission to discover the cause of the boy's death and his past life. Dr. Lash was the only non druze invited to tag along on this journey. Before they all set out to find the village in which the boy's past life took place, they asked him a few questions. They asked him if he remembered the village he lived in and if he could remember who murdered him the boy could not remember the name of the village or the name of his murderer but was confident that if he saw his village he would recognize it so the group set off on their journey when they arrived at one of the neighboring villages they stopped and they asked the child if it was familiar the child answered that it was not that it was definitely another village So once they arrived at the next village, the elders asked him again if that was it. Again, the child answered no, that it had to be another village. When they arrived at the third village, the child told the group of men that this was it. This was the village. He claimed to recognize several things in and around the village. The group then became hopeful. Along with arriving at the village, the child told the elders that he suddenly remembers the name of the village and the first and last name of his murderer. The child claimed to suddenly remember everything from his past life. The young child then led the group of men through the village like he knew exactly where he was going and brought them all to a house. By this time, many inquisitive people had joined the group and gathered around at the house. A man answered the door, and the child asked him if he was the man he remembered. The child called him by the first and last name he had suddenly remembered moments ago. The man confirmed that yes, that was indeed his name. The child then said to him, I used to be your neighbor. We had a fight and you killed me with an axe. It is reported that the man standing in the doorway suddenly became white as a sheet. The child then said, I even know where you buried my body. The man was apprehended by the group and they were all then led to a nearby field by the young boy. The child stopped in front of a big pile of stones and stated, he buried my body under these stones. The group of men immediately started removing the stones from the pile. One by one, stones were thrown aside, each man discarding each stone more frantically than the last, until finally, with all the stones removed, nothing was there. I'm just kidding, they discovered the skeletal remains of a grown man dressed in the clothes of a farmer. And clearly visible was a split in the front of the skull precisely where the young boy's birthmark is located the boy also pointed to another part of the field and told everyone that that was where the axe was buried the men didn't have to dig for very long before they were able to extract an axe from underneath the dirt everyone The boy's father and relatives, the elders, village representatives, and others who gathered in pure intrigue all surrounded and stared at the man the boy pointed out as his murderer in his life before. And the man confessed. He confessed his crime. He confessed that he did in fact murder his neighbor. He confessed that everything the boy said was true. Now, I want to mention something here real quick. You might be wondering, but Bitten, how did he know where his body was buried if he had already been killed? If he's dead, how would he know where his body was? I know, I thought the same thing, but here's the deal. Many people who undergo past life regression therapy claim that after they die, their soul leaves their earthly body and is able to see their body from above. Now I don't know if you've listened to my episode on sleep paralysis or not, but if so you'll remember me talking about when I had a similar experience of my soul or spirit or whatever leaving my body and I was able to see myself, my body, laying in bed sleeping. Now I wasn't dead and nobody had murdered me, but it sounds very similar to what we're describing here. So these people that have gone through regression therapy claim that their soul hovers for a while. And they can see exactly what happens to their bodies before they go off into the in-between state of dying and living. So maybe that is an explanation for how the boy knew what had happened to his body. All right, guys, that's it. Thank you so, so much for joining me yet again for another episode. Thank you so much for your support. Guys, if you like the show and you want it to continue and you're feeling mighty generous, you can go to my Instagram page at parasensory.podcast or you can go to anchor.fm slash parasensory and there is a button that says support. By clicking support, you have the option of making a donation as low as 99 cents a month. 99 cents a month if you choose to do so i want to thank you in advance and if you choose to make a monthly donation and later on you feel like nah i don't want to support this dude anymore then you should be able to cancel your monthly donation at any time no pressure i only mention this because this podcast and its production is funded 100 percent by me myself and i so any help i can get is greatly appreciated Um, It would also help uh, to crank these episodes out faster. I know it's been like three or four weeks since the last episode. So any kind of support helps me greatly. So again, thank you in advance. So what do you think about reincarnation? Personally, I don't think there's any getting around these claims. I think it's true, but ultimately I have no idea because if I have experienced death, I don't remember it. I do feel a pull to certain things, places, and even people, like a strange familiarity. Uh, And sometimes that makes me think that maybe those are things that have something to do with my past lives. But who knows? I love the subject nonetheless. Thanks again for tuning in, guys. Email me at parasensorypodcast at gmail.com. I want to hear your stories. Uh, Let me feature you. Come on, let's do this. Um, I'm hoping to have um, a website up soon. But until then, just look out for the next episode, guys. Until next time, keep it strange. And remember, there's more to this world than what we see.